0: Good evening. So glad to have you back tonight. Glad to have uh, Philip and the, the youth group back with us tonight. Thankful for the the program that takes place every year at Savannah, Tennessee. Evangelism University is uh, it's not like just any youth rally. I know we we you hear about those. This is something you go and it's intense. You go, young people go through class after class, uh, learning how to teach the gospel to other people. I think it's a uh, one of the best programs I've ever been a part of, and I'm thankful that the young people here are committed to go to that and also thankful that they got back uh, safely. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are amazing, and we come before you, and we are so thankful for your love and your kindness and your thoughtfulness of us. Lord, you have truly been mindful of us, and we come together gathered to tell you of your greatness to share your love with one another, and to take time to uh, encourage one another and lift one another up and spend time in your Word. Lord, help us always to truly allow you to lead us, and that takes our willingness to follow. Lord, please help us us to be the followers we need to be. Lord, help those who are hurting here tonight to to leave here, feeling as though they have been blessed by being here and, and being comforted. Lord, there may be those here tonight who have yet to become Christians. We pray that they will make that decision. And Lord, help us to focus on you and your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we've been talking about kingdom stuff this year, and I think we'll continue talking about that, we want to talk about some, some things that are important to that. What are three words that you could hear that could greatly change your life? There are three words that that could give a a lot of emotions and spark different emotions in you. If somebody says, I love you, that could cause you to have uh, great, great uh, thoughts of love back unless they say it to you when you're mad at them and you're just that much more mad. I'm sure nobody here has ever done that, right? Uh, Same same way with, uh, please forgive me. Sometimes we're waiting to hear those words so much, please forgive me. Sometimes they're said, and and we find ourselves very, very angry, sort of like Jonah was when the people there were willing to repent. We're like, I like being mad at you. So sometimes it can bring joy. Sometimes it can bring sorrow. The same thing with I'm sorry. At times when you hear I'm sorry, you're like, wow, I'm so thankful for your thoughtfulness. And other times we're still hurt. I shared this when I talked on forgiveness a few weeks ago. My little niece, Caroline, three or four years old, I said, I'm sorry, Caroline. She said, sometimes sorry not enough. I'm like, that's not the response I expected back. Three words that usually create a lot of emo- emotions coming back to us are the words, I'm pregnant. That is uh, something that uh, for many of us is... Uh, it's real. It brings about a great amount of joy. See, I got to hear those words a few months ago. It was really, really cool. The the Tuesday that I was supposed to come meet with your elders, the first time we found out this, it was really hey, Brianna uh, was up for work. She came in, woke me up, and she said she was pregnant. And can I tell you, I was excited. And also, it was a little overwhelming, too. We've been praying about that. We we were very excited about that. This is the first picture ever of my son. This is actually his picture. And, and the first time I saw it, all I could see at first was a little heartbeat. When it first came up, you could see that heart beating. And, and the doctor said he he's about seven weeks old. And we looked, and we were just blown away. It was one of those things that, uh, you know, you, you have tears. I don't know if you would. I, I did, and I was just really blown away at getting to see my little boy for the first time. So when, when we had heard those words, and the doctor came in and, of course, reaffirmed, when you see the picture, it, it's for sure, okay, that you're pregnant, we were both ecstatic. It was something that was great. And, and in the last ultrasound we had, we realized he's going to take after me. It was really, really cool. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I don't understand how that happens, okay, but uh, hey, I didn't know if he's going to take more after his mom or me. He's going to have some of my ability. Here's what's interesting. When some people hear those words, they are not the happiest words they've ever heard. There's people that find out when they're pregnant it's something that brings about sorrow or brings about being greatly overwhelmed. And it may be something that they're like, what am I going to do? I I can't have a child. There's a lot of different emotions that come from this for so many people. And back in 2014, a a lady wrote this and, and put it online, and it was an article, a letter that she wrote. She said, I'm getting an abortion next Friday. This is an open letter to the little life I won't get to meet. I saw it on Huffington Post back then, and I remember reading it. I'm going to share it with you. It was something that, well, it moved me, but not a, it was something very, very, very difficult to read. Uh, here's what she said. She said, little thing, I can feel you in there. I've got twice the appetite and half the energy. It breaks my heart that I don't feel the enchantment that I'm supposed to feel. I'm both sorry and not sorry. I'm sorry that this is goodbye. I'm sad that I'll never get to meet you. Uh, You could have had your father's eyes and my nose, and we could make our own traditions, be a family. But little thing, we will meet again. I promise that the next time I, I see that little blue plus, the next time you're in the same reality as me, I will be ready for you. Little thing, I want you to be happy more than I want good things for myself. I want the best things for the future. That is why I can't be your mother right now. I'm still growing myself. It wouldn't be fair for me to bring a new life into a world where I'm still haunted by ghosts, by the ghost of the life I've lived. I want you to have all the things that I didn't have when I was a child. I want you to be better than I ever was and more magnificent than I ever could be. I can't do that for you can't do for you what was done for me. Plant a seed of love and spontaneity into a garden and hope that it will grow on only dreams. Love and spontaneity are beautiful, but they are little merit. And while I have plenty of dreams to go around, dreams are not an effective tool for you to build a better tomorrow. I can't bring you here, not like this. I love you, little thing, and I wish the circumstances were different. I promise I'll see you again, and next time... You can call me mom, and she just simply wrote the letter H. It was amazing, the the responses to this, and it was heartbreaking to read this. Because, of course, she wrote it the the week that she was going to have an abortion. And when the responses started coming back, there were overwhelming responses for people saying, Hey, I'll take your child. Please don't do this. Whatever support you need, we'll give it. Whatever, it, it. whatever, if there's a need that you're saying, hey, if I had this, I'd be able to raise this child. I'll take care of it. There was comments after comments after comments of people saying, please don't do this. How can we help? But for whatever reason, they were deleted. And here's the one that was left. So I want you to know that you sound like you're in such a healthy place right now. I need you to take a step back and give yourself a pat on the back for that real quick. Please acknowledge to yourself how strong and how smart you are for making this choice. Please love yourself throughout all this mess and make sure you can give yourself plenty of credit for being able to handle this all so responsibly. I work at a clinic as a patient advocate. So if you have any questions, venting, or feelings you want to share with an internet stranger, send them my way. And I was like, wow. That was the type of responses that were left. I just remember reading that and going, use the word smart, healthy, and acting responsibly. And I didn't see any of that. And uh, I, I was really angry when I read this. It was something that, that really bothered me, and, and I just sat back, and, and reading it the, the week of, you know that, that basically it, it's like knowing someone's about to face the death penalty. The, the time is counting down, and, and you're like, what can be done? Well, when you do something sort of pseudo-anonymously, you can't find them out. People were trying to offer support and help, and, and what this person actually wrote back to the person who said, you're acting responsibly, thank you, I needed to hear that, I needed to hear that I was making the right decision. It also was something, again, that broke my heart. It upset me that we live in a world where that's okay. See, uh, when uh, Cosmo, uh, not that I regularly read Cosmo, when they copied this letter, here's what they said, a woman post a heartwarming letter before abortion. Whose heart did it warm? I I read that, I've read that letter many times. Can I tell you, heartwarming was none of that. It's it's not what I saw there. What it left me was motivated. I I think it's important that we do speak about the sanctity of life, but there's more things than that. Many of you have probably heard this story. This is a story that goes the other way. There's a couple by the name of Bob and uh, and Pam. In in, uh, 1986, they were missionaries in the Philippines. And they were pregnant with baby number five. And while they were pregnant, Pam got really, really sick. You can imagine that the medical help in the Philippines would not be that great. And, and as you go through, you realize she had amoebic dysentery. And, and the doctor said, you need to have an abortion. And the doctor said, you need to, need to realize it's not a baby yet. It, this is You can think of it as a tumor or just blood and tissue. You just need to have an abortion or you'll possibly die. They chose not to do that, and even though her last two months she was sick as she could be and on bed rest, and, and their prayer was simply this. They said, Lord, we, we pray that this child will be a messenger of yours, and, and we will name him Timothy as one who honors God. You know who this guy is. Uh, his, his name is Tim Tebow. You've heard of him before. See, they did a commercial about this uh, for the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and it was deemed controversial. To me, that's uh, pretty amazing that that would be seen as controversial of, of a, a mom just saying, we chose to have life, and we chose life. See, what's the difference in, in, in a world? We live in a world where, where, where people don't see an unborn child as a child. See, it's amazing to go through the process of uh, this is what happens once, once uh, the baby begins to form. At four days, you look at five or six weeks realize a week after this is when we saw our little boy for the first time. You go to week seven, you start seeing the development take place. You go to, to week 10 and week 12, and, and what you see is what, how amazing a God we serve how we talk about the miracle of life and, and and we sit there and think it's amazing what God has done and what God is able to do and what happens over and over again has happened millions of times since God set it in order through Adam and Eve. And we see a baby at 18 to 20 weeks. And and I don't know if you remember this, there was a, a really neat story several years ago by a little boy named Samuel R. Moss. And they needed to do surgery on him while he was in utero. And they went through him, this is at 21 weeks, And as the doctor opened up to go in and work on him, the doctor held his hand. He reached his hand out and just held his finger. And then then you look and and you see uh, this is him standing there. I love the way it words this. It says, Samuel Armas had 21 weeks in the womb. And he says, and now three years out of the womb. He was just alive then. The first picture, he was the second. He was just as much a human in the first picture as he was a the second. He was just as much created in the image of God in the first picture as he was a second. This is a, a recent picture of him. You sit there and think about this and, and the way uh, we progress and, and how you see it 32 weeks. And you go on to, to I got out of order, sorry, 24 weeks. And, and this is what's interesting. This, is, uh, this baby's 22 weeks old, I mean 32 weeks old. One of them's still in the womb, one of them's out. It's amazing what God can do, and also it seems how blind people can be, to not see that one is the same as the other. This is one of the most, again, for many people, one of the happiest moments of their life. And it's very important that we realize, and I believe that that many of us do, those here, and I know we have many who will be tuning in with us tonight, and thank you for doing that. That unborn child is a living human being and, and that we acknowledge that. When the psalmist says that the ch- truly children are a gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb is a reward, we, we need to know that and we need to believe that. And it's something that, that we can sit there and know that God is working and we see his, his work over and over again as we see children being born. When we read through his word, whether we read in Psalm 139 where the psalmist says, you knit me in my mother's womb, nor is my frame unknown to you when I was made in secret. Psalm 22:10 and 11, you have been my guide since I was first formed. From my mother's womb, you are my God. As Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, God from my mother's womb has set me apart and called me through his grace. You sit there and look and realize that there are references, what, to us before we were born and how God worked and we were alive and we had a soul at that time and we were made in the image of God. To me, that is an amazing thing. But it's also amazing in a bad way that we live in a civilized country, we would say that, a country that seems to be based a lot on science. Don't we hear a lot about science? And how we seem to ignore that very thing a place where abortion is still legal, and that just, uh, it bothers me. It bothers me a great deal that that is the case. And we have to be very careful. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, one to those who call good evil and evil good, that we do not make abortion simply a what? A political issue. I remember when I was a a teenager, I, I, I went to a, A program called Young Life, it was sort of like a parachurch organization, took place one night a month, and people from my high school would go to it. And one night we were in there, and they had had a little devotional part, and we're sitting around eating, and uh, they were talking about abortion, and one of the Young Life leaders said, hey, uh, this should not be a, uh, uh, this is a political issue, and realize that uh, the government doesn't have a right to legislate morality, so it shouldn't be legal. Well, I thought that was the smartest thing I ever heard. You know why I thought it was smart? Because she was really good looking. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. When you're a teenage boy, the prettier the girl is, the smarter they sound. And she was a few years older than I was. And I'm like, this woman must be a genius. I thought I left her the most profound thing ever until I talked to my dad and he let me know that was one of the dumbest things I'd ever heard. He said, um, is it okay for somebody to come steal your stuff? He said, No. I said, that's against the law. He said, the government just did what? Legislative morality. He said, all laws are as legislative morality. He said, that is not a, a good argument. And, and so I repented very quickly. Uh, it was easier to repent in the presence of my father. There's a lot of reasons for that. But it helped me to see, and we have to realize, this is not a, a political issue. This is a very much a moral issue. And it's very, very important for us, that that we address this and we know where we are on this. Because here's what happens. If, If we do not see an unborn child as human, we can do anything we want. See, if you ask Hitler about Jews, he would say they were dogs. See, if he didn't refer to them as humans, it didn't bother him to murder millions of them. The KKK doesn't see African-Americans or anybody who is non-Aryan as human. They can treat them any way they want to. So when you can call a Native American a savage, you can do anything you want. Because you have not equated them with what? Being made in the image of God. And it's important, Dr. Seuss said it, but I think the Bible said it earlier. A person is a person no matter how small. And every human has rights, and, and we should be people, as God's people, who recognize this. And I think it's a very tricky thing in our society because um, it has become so politicized uh, that it is a very much a hot-button issue. And the thing is, we're very good at confusing, and, and I think there's a lot of good things. I think one of the de- ways the devil works is not by planting uh, certainty in people's heads, but uncertainty. He's really good at confusing things and sort of muddying up the waters on things that should be clear. So we live in a very dualistic society where, uh, I don't know if you, if you know this, at one time, the HOV, HOV lanes, uh, pregnant women could drive in it. You know why? Because nobody was going to tell her she couldn't. <laughs> you ain't going to write that ticket, <laughs> okay? But they went back and rewrote the law that you had to have people in two seats. It changed. It says two or more persons vehicle, but if you read the letter of the law to talk about there'd have to be people in two separate seats in the vehicle. They had to go rewrite it. And it always bothered me that if somebody hurt a woman who was pregnant, and let's say it cost the life of the woman and the unborn child, unborn child they could be char- charged with double murder because in that case, they always saw an unborn child as a life. But they did not see that as a life when it came to abortion. That, it is one of those things that uh, you can see the devil has confused a lot of people. But for us, if a child is a person, is personal, no matter how small. And every child is, and every person created in the image of God, it has to make a difference to us. I like what uh, Desmond Tutu says. "If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor." And I think it's important that we not be neutral on this. And I think it's important that we make a difference. I, I don't know if you've noticed, make a difference. If you, take, if you do an acrostic with that, what does it say? Be mad about it? M-A-D? But instead of being mad and, and, and protesting or throwing over a table, let's think about a way we can make a difference as God's people. One Let's all those God people realize that everyone is made in the image of God. That's what we see here, Genesis 1, So God created man in his own image of God. Let me, let me read instead. I've got it memorized, and I'm reading. There are two different things, okay? I'm going to try to read it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. That's something we should keep in mind every day, why that should affect everything of who we are, how we how we treat others, how we love our neighbors as as ourselves, the reason why evangelism is so important, the reason because there's not a person you'll ever look in the eyes of that Jesus did not die for and that was not created in the image of God. We have to be people who recognize this, and this should shape our life and the way we treat other people. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. And that is, I love red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. Everyone is made in the image of God. So how do we make a difference? First of all, we value children. I love being a part of this congregation. This congregation values children. It's evident in our children's ministry and our youth ministry. It's evident in the way that our, our nurseries workers love being in the nursery with our children in the way here that about 200 of you have volunteered to hold our child after he's born. Okay? And you'll be able to hold them anytime you want to between 1 and 6 in the morning. <laughs> we'll take you up on it, okay? We'll even move that back to 11, 11 and 6. We have to value children. We don't realize in many other countries they're not valued. We need to value them here. Not, not idolize them. That's a different problem. But value them. In that, the church should be known as people of love, mercy, grace, and compassion. If somebody describes a church, they should be, that's a place where they love people. That's a place where they show mercy to one another. That's a place where where they show grace, they show compassion. That's a place where they teach God's word, they teach his truth, but they do it in love. That's what people should say when they think about us. And that should impact the way that we think about unborn children. We should show that love and compassion and mercy and love. We should show that as as they grow. and, and, And what does that mean? That means that we should be advocates for youth. You know, realize there's different ways to do that. I love that many of you are involved in the school system and you do so much for children that people do not realize and that you do not get paid for. Many times you are parents to children and you show love and you make sure they're taken care of. I know that there are many teachers that make sure there's food in their room because they knows that kids don't have it at home. We should be advocates for children. Also, we should be people, God's people should be people of adoption. I love, again, being part of a church family where this is part of the culture here. And it's something that we want to continue. Also, we should be part of of foster care. And I I love that I'm also a part of a church family that believes in this and people who practice this. But one thing we can do, the ones of us who may not be fostering, is we can offer support. And I'm actually going to be sitting down with someone soon to learn how we can better do that. And offer support to those who are doing foster care. That we, what, make sure every child knows that they are wanted and they are special and they are creating the image of God and that they are loved and cared for and they are around people who who value love and mercy and grace and compassion, that they see that. I, I think also we we support good works like Agape that we're going to have a dinner for later. We support a group that does what? What? finds ways to minister to families who want to adopt and minister to, to children who need to be adopted or fostered out or, or counseling and helping with unwed mothers or, or mothers who need uh, that for their children. We see that. Again, if we're going to be a church that is based on love, mercy, and, and grace and compassion and the truth and love, uh, we're going to have to offer support uh, many times to to mothers who are about to have children and they don't know what to do. If they can't turn here, they'll turn somewhere else. So we as God's people have to be people that they know when they come through the door, they're not going to be met with judgment and hatefulness. They're going to be met with support and love and understanding, and how can we help? How can we help you in this? I think that is, that is big because in a, in a subject such as abortion, it is so easy to let our anger lead. Uh, I preached on this a few years ago and I went back and listened to myself and I could hear how mad I was in that sermon. Part of it was I can get intense sometimes. You may have seen that, you may not. If you hadn't, you will. But I was so intense, I'm afraid if anybody heard that, they could miss the point. It's important that we leave with our love, grace, mercy, and compassion to make sure people know that also when it comes to that love, uh, mercy, grace, and compassion, Listen, we meet people who have abortions, who greatly need Jesus. And they're going to need to know that the same God who forgave us can forgive them, and that their life is not over, that they are not useless, that God can use them, and that God can can forgive them, and God can restore them. I think that's huge. We are people. Let me go back to this mic. Go ahead and turn this one on. Clicking in and out. Are we? There we are. We want to be people again who leave with love. Who leave with love and mercy and compassion. And we want to do that. And we want to be people who pray about this. And I want to do that right now. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, You are great, and You are mighty, and You are powerful. And Lord, we pray that You will be with all those who need You so much. Be with those moms right now who are struggling on what to do with their child. Lord, please help them to lead them to someone like the people here who will help point them toward You and who will offer love. Lord, help us to reach out to those children, and find homes for them and be their home and be their support. Lord, help us to be people who offer forgiveness and hope to those who have made decisions that they have a difficult time living with. Lord, help us always to lead with love and help us to see everyone is created in your image and help us always, always to teach your truth and love and to live in a way that draws people to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We've talked about children tonight. One of the greatest child, children you can be is to be a child of God. If you're not a child of God, tonight is a night to make that decision. Tonight we can baptize you for the remission of your sins. And tonight you can be a child with a father who loves you, who wants to be your father, and you can have an incredible family tonight if that's what you choose. Tonight, you may want us to pray with you and for you, and we would love to do that. If we can help you with any of these things, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?